Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Let's pray. Father, as we now take time to open the word as we talk and as we enter into communion, be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. 2015, Mark Batterson wrote, <clears throat> At any given day, 23,000 scheduled flights take off and land at American airports. And at any given time, 5,000 of those airplanes are simultaneously airborne. So this means there's probably about a million people in the air right now flying around the country. Now, in the 1800s and before that, the idea of flying was fiction, science fiction to be at. And then two brothers come along, Wilbur and Orville Wright. They turned science fiction into science fact. The Wright brothers' dreams actually go back to 1878 when their father, a, pre a pastor actually and a church leader, he one day brought home a toy. Uh, it was uh, a, a rubber band uh, attached to a, a miniature bamboo helicopter that flew into the air. And as it came down to try to land, it came down with a, a glaring crash, like probably many miniature toy helicopters have probably happened over the years. Happened to me. And yet, several years later, uh, a quarter century later, on December 17th, 1903, Orville, was it Orville? Orville himself went airborne for 12 gravity-defined seconds. At that point, fiction became fact. And just like every innovation, every resolution, every breakthrough, someone had to think of it, to dream it, to realize that the impossible was possible. Every dream has its genesis moment, and it usually starts small, in this case, a small toy helicopter. But the chain reaction that eventually followed was amazing. It defied gravity. It defies imagination. Without knowing it, the Wright brothers created an airline industry, the FAA and the TSA. And I'm sure it never crossed their minds, but their flying, their flying faith is the reason why over a million people right now are in the air, speeding through the atmosphere right now. Two pastors' kids, Orville, Orville and Wilbur Wright. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine how far we've come where we now get into a steel tube flying about in the air? I want to go to the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, chapter 37, there's a young man who has a dream. So let's go ahead and open. By the way, somebody asked, Pastor, why don't you put the text on the screen? 
To which my response was, it's just too easy if we do that. I want you to be able to bring your Bibles or get the Bible in front of you and pull it out and read for yourself. Sometimes analog ain't that bad. Now, if you don't have a Bible in front of you, but you have a phone, go ahead, use your phone or tablet. But we want you to be readers of the word literally. We want you to be able to open the Bible for yourselves. And it's here we find that a young man by the name of Joseph, he was a young man. He had some older brothers. He wasn't the youngest, but close to it. And his father was Jacob, well-known man. And it's here that Jacob lived in the land with his father, where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob's family. So Joseph, a young man, how old was he? 17. When you're 17, how much do you know? Nothing. Nada. But when you're 17, you think you know what? You know everything. Right? By the way, my family's here. And I, I, I tell you, why do you always show up when I have to talk about siblings? <laughs> <sighs> By the way, I'm the... I won't say that. <laughs> I am the oldest of four. And so my sister, Trisha, who is number two, is here with her kids. Landon, Ollie, that's her kids. Pay attention because we're going to be talking about sibling rivalry. By the way, you're just like your mom <laughs> and me. I'm just taking advantage of, of, uh, of uh, loving a loving brother, not picking on but showing love to my family. I'm still her older brother. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report. So what is Joseph also known as? He's a snitch. All right. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. And by the way, Joseph was also later named Israel. Same dude. Because he was born in him to, to him was an old age. And by the way, who was Joseph's mom? Rachel. And Rachel was Joseph or Israel's first real true love. Okay? And he made an ornate robe for him, a coat of many colors. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of the others, they hated him and couldn't speak a kind word to him. Awkward. Joseph has a dream now. Okay. And when he had told it to his brothers, they hated him even more because he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the, uh, out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. It's pretty clear what it's saying. I'm second to youngest, but you guys are going to basically, I'm going to be better than you all, and I'm basically going to be bored of you all. I wouldn't take that well. And so he's, the brothers say, hey, do you intend to rule over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he has a second dream, not just one, but two. And he told it to his brothers, listen, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. 
But guess who also was there this time? His dad. And so when he told his father as well as his brothers, his dad what? He rebukes him. And he said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So kind of a rough start for Joseph early in his life. He was young. He was the baby brother that was that little annoying brother. Anybody have those? I love my baby brother and sister. I do. Um, and yet we find that there is just some consternation and friction. Yet Joseph, he has these dreams. And these aren't just little dreams. They're big dreams. Now, what I'm going to talk about next is a verse that I think is, I like to call it the, um, the thesis statement of the Old Testament, how we should live our lives. So Micah 6, 8, if you ever had a life verse, I have two, this one and then 1 Corinthians. But Micah 6, 8, and truly this is how I love to live my life. He has shown you, O oh mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? How should we act? Justly. And to love what? Your kindness. And to walk how? Humbly with your God. What does the Lord require of you? To love, act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly, to do right, to be loving, to be kind, and to be humble. And as you look through Joseph's life, he learns these lessons, and he learns them pretty quick. Because what happens next in his life? He goes out again. His father sends him out to check on his brothers again. And they're already mad at him. And some of them, they're just so sick of him. So what do they end up trying to do? First, they thought, well, let's try to kill him. And then they thought, well, that's not a good idea. I don't think we hate him that much but they do something just as bad. They sell them off to who? Slave traders. And he ends up going where? To Egypt. And of course, what do they got to do? There's no body because they said, oh, our little baby brother died and the animal got him. And by the way, his robe is all torn up. They had to tear the robe itself, dip it in blood and give it to their father. And so not only do they sell their brother off, they have to lie to their dad. That's going to be awkward later. And so he's sold off. And fortunately enough, though, God was faithful and he protected him. Because where does he land up? In Potiphar's household. And so Potiphar puts him to work. And it's here. He's been humbled by now because he's in a foreign land. And Potiphar sets him in charge. And guess what happens to Joseph? Everything that he touches God blesses. And Potiphar is stoked about this. Gives him more responsibility to the point where Joseph is managing everything. And all Potiphar has to do is choose what he wants to eat for breakfast. That's a pretty cool deal. But Mrs. Potiphar, as we've discussed already, had ill intentions, correct? And so she tries to persuade Joseph. But he's not going to have anything of it. So he's humble. He's learned to be humble. 
And as Micah 6 says, he also is a man of integrity. He says no. In fact, he flees. Well, unfortunately, Mrs. Potiphar lies and tells Potiphar, oh, he tried to attack me. Ah. So what does Potiphar do? He has to send him away. And he goes where? To jail. For a week? Years. And being in jail at that time was not a luxurious position. But even in jail, humble circumstances caused Joseph to be more humble. And everything that he touched as well, God blessed. And you see this series of life circumstances, life story, where Joseph is humble. And he's probably wondering, God, why? Why is this the case? Long story short, he ends up in Pharaoh's house because Pharaoh had a dream. And Joseph listens to God, and he tells Pharaoh what is about to happen. And does Pharaoh receive this report well? Ultimately, yes, because what does he do to, to, to Joseph? He makes Joseph the prime minister of all of Egypt. And by the way, such a, a unique case because Joseph isn't an Egyptian. Joseph, he's, he's a Hebrew. Why are you doing that? I'm sure somebody is probably thinking, why couldn't he pick one of us? Why couldn't Pharaoh stay true to our people? No, he picks a foreigner to lead. And it's there because of his position. He was able to actually one day, guess who shows up? His brothers. He, they don't recognize who he is. And it's here that Joseph is able to actually practice humility, restrain humility, love, and, 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 uh, and justice. Throughout Joseph's life, he was true. He was true to his dad because he told the truth. His brothers weren't doing the best job. But he needed to learn humility along the way. But he also learned to be merciful. Because when he was the prime minister, what could Joseph have done to his brothers? He could have rounded them all up and throw them away and lock them, lock them away. He could have, but he doesn't. He wants to see had they grown from their experience before when they sold them off. He was kind, and man, I, I tell you, that had to be a lot of patience. But he was patient with them. He worked with them. Several times they would go, come, leave, come back, leave, come back. And in the end, he forgave his brothers. Do justly, love mercy, all being humble and faithful to God and serving God throughout his whole life, being humble. Along the way, though, Joseph had this dream very on, for very early on in his life. And it, until much later. And he should have had some humility. Probably wasn't the best idea to say, hey, guess what, brothers and dad? I'm going to rule over you. Let's be a little more humble about it. But is everybody, when you think about things you want to accomplish and maybe share, does, does everybody understand and maybe have the same enthusiasm that you might have? No. Sometimes they're going to laugh you off. You're going to make decisions and say, I want to accomplish this great task and, and have it be a focal point in my, laugh, my life. And they're going to think, you're crazy, dude. 
sometimes you're going to be misunderstood. And along the way, sometimes you're going to be asked to compromise your values, much like Joseph and Mrs. Potiphar. But being humble, being faithful, being true, and being kind, really, being loving, is a recipe that if we are faithful to that, God will lead and guide us. And honestly, can you hate a nice person if they're genuinely nice and they're humble and they do the right thing? Unless it's impeding your evil scheme. <laughs> you know? So be humble. Be kind. Be loving. But don't be afraid to. Why, why did I pick this particular story? It's because like Joseph, I think we all should have dreams. Dreams of, of personal dreams, of things that we want to accomplish. But more importantly, what are the dreams and ideas that God is planting in your life? And I want to ask this question early on because it's the first Sabbath of 2023. And as we go through 2023, what is God impressing upon your heart where maybe God has a plan to have you minister to people, whether here in this church or in your home or in your work, the playground, Ralph's, the post office. Where is God calling you to minister? Next week, we're going to start a series called Where the Rubber Meets the Road, or Keep the Rubber Side Down. Sorry. Some of you are thinking, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor? Keep the rubber side down. If you're a cyclist, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not a cyclist, you're going to have to come back next week. We're going to talk about mission. We're going to talk about vision. All of these things that are important and discover not only just in your personal life, but eventually as well as we talk about it corporately, what God has in store for us and our mission to our surrounding communities. Amen? Amen. And to kick that all off, I want to have a fresh start. So I'd like, I'd like to, uh, actually, just before we get to that, what are your dreams, desires, goals that is God impressing upon you to minister and use the gifts and talents that you all have been blessed with, okay? Even if you have one small, little, measly, little talent or gift, God has blessed you with it. Use it. And this week, pray that God will give you an opportunity and guide you to live out Micah 6.8, to be kind, to be loving, to be just, to be merciful, to be humble. I'd like to invite Bill and uh, Gustavo to come up now as we take time to uh, participate in our communion stand, um, uh, communion service. And I'd also like to invite our deacons to please come forward. For those of you who've maybe never been a part of this, we're going to take a moment. We're going to pray for these emblems. Here we have the juice and the bread that Jesus talks about in the Gospels. Every Gospel account has some form of a communion story. Uh, except for John. John does a little differently. The bread represents what? His body. And the juice represents his blood. And so as we participate in this, may you reflect on what God has done for you. At this time, I'd like to ask Gustavo and Bill to please pray uh, over this. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus. As we partake this bread, to bless it and to sanctify it, sanctify it, Father, to the souls of all who receive them, that they may eat 
in remembrance of your great sacrifice of your son's body. Bless us, Father. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray for the juice which represents your blood, your innocent, holy, precious blood. Lord, that was spilled for us when we didn't deserve it. There's no way we can pay that back. There's no way we can begin to even understand. But Lord, thank you so much. For without that, we would be lost. Mm -hmm. So today, Lord, we remember what you did for us. And help us to be the kind of people that carry that forward. And help other people learn about it too. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, as they're passing the emblems out, uh, is there anybody who would like to share, have a very brief testimony, one minute or less, of how God has blessed you recently? Um, this is something that if you're new here, this is something that we like to do. We like to give opportunity for our members or our friends to be able to share something that God is working in their lives. So if you raise your hand real quick, please keep it brief. Anybody? Okay, we'll come back to you, Danny. Hi, my name is Denise, if nobody, if you don't know me. I just want to thank God for giving me another chance of life. Um, I almost didn't make it a little bit ago, but I'm here, and I'm praising God, and I just want to um, thank him for walking me through everything that I went through, because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. And I want to... Also, thank him for my family who has been just so wonderful and helping me get through this as well. My husband and my kids, I, I just thank God and I just want God to bless them as well. Thank you. Hi, my name is Danny. Uh, God has blessed me in so many ways. Being here is a miracle for me, you know. My life, rough life, doing what I wanted to. Took me a long, it took me a long time to uh, convert myself and to give up everything. But through the grace of God, He's given me the power and the strength through the surgeries that I went through, to meeting people, to going to Bible studies and, and fellowshipping a lot brings me closer. But still, I still got to keep praying because you know the struggle's still real. And I still go through battles, no matter what. And the way I look at it now is the more tougher the battles, the more closer I'm getting to God because the devil is not going to let me go. He's going to keep on trying no matter what. But uh, he's giving me the strength, the wisdom, and uh, friends, family to be by my side so that way I don't fall. Because if it's just me in my mind, that's it. I'm, I'm my worstest enemy. And I just want to thank the church 
for staying online so that I could keep communication with this online. And uh, everybody here have a blessed year and safety and health. Thank you, Danny. Thank All right. Is there anybody else? Do we have one more or is that it? Happy Sabbath. Um, my name is Yvonne, and I just wanted to thank everybody for um, allowing us to pray for you every week. And um, just I wanted to remind everyone that um, we, a few of us, meet every um, after church up in front and um, just have prayer requests and just give praises to the Lord, and you're all welcome to um, come. And so it's just, it's been a blessing to um, to pray for people because it just, um, you see what God does, you know, and, and people open their hearts and share, you know, the things and their struggles and the praises, you know, so it's just been a real blessing and um, that's it. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. We're going to invite our, uh, our deacons to please come forward. Now, several years later, after Jesus had left, and Paul is writing to our Corinthian believers, he writes and he's reminded in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in verse 25, he says, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. My friends, until that day, may we go forward in faith, courage. May God lead, guide, and bless you. May you be just, may you be loving, and may you be humble. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives. May you lead and guide us in all that we do. Help us to be faithful and help us, Lord, impress upon us the dreams and desires that you have for us to be able to minister, but also uh, just may we be the community, the loving community that you've called us to be here in Downey and our surrounding communities, wherever we go, our home, our work, our play, and our class. Help us to be the faithful ambassadors you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. May God bless you.